Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of Text Driven Podcast. We are committed here at uh, with Text Driven Podcast to providing you with resources that you're going to be able to use and put into practice immediately in your life so that you are living a text-driven life. It is so crucially important that we live a life that is driven by the Word of God. Scripture teaches us that we are to do everything Uh, Whatever our hand finds to do, we're to do it for the glory of God. And that can get challenging at times unless we have a manual by which to guide us and how to do everything for the glory of God. And we're so blessed that God has provided to us his manual. Actually, he's given to us himself, the a revelation of who he is contained in 66 books in our Bible. And that Bible that you hold in your hands, that you read on your phone, that is the guidebook that we need to know who God is and to live this text-driven life. If this is your first time uh, listening to us, that is our purpose here, is to help you to live a text-driven life, a life that is for the glory of God as you live out the principles within God's Word. And one of the things we've been doing over these last several episodes is providing you with uh, book reviews of things that will help you to do this. Um, We've been, over the last couple series, dealing with spiritual disciplines. We used Donald S. Whitney's book, uh, Praying the Bible, Learning How to Pray in Such a Way that We're Praying in Accordance with the Will of God as he has revealed himself in scripture. I encourage you to go pick up that book from Crossway. It's a wonderful resource that you can read personally, and then you can utilize this podcast with your friends and family as you begin discipling them also. And then now we're walking through Nate Pickowitz's book, How to Eat Your Bible, A Simple Approach to Learning and Loving the Word of God. This is a book that came out just last year in 2021. And uh, it is published by Moody. Not a very long book at all, probably about 150 pages or so. Uh, Let's see here, about 143 pages. Very simple book for you to be able to pick up and use uh, in your own personal devotional life to help you to to eat the Word, to digest the Word, to chew on the Word, uh, to improve your spiritual appetite and your spiritual health by uh, living in accordance with the word of God. And then you could take this book, grab somebody, have coffee at Starbucks, have coffee, have lunch, go somewhere. And over a period of several weeks, they can listen to these episodes and you can walk through this book with them and find it to be, uh, helping you in disciple making as well. Well, we come to the final, uh, chapters of how to eat your Bible. And we're going to be looking at chapter five in this episode. And we're dealing, chapters really five and six, and we're dealing with the question, how do I apply the word of God? Uh, That becomes the end of Bible study. 
Too often, what we typically do is we put the application at the beginning. You'll sit down, you'll read a verse, you'll read a passage of scripture, and then immediately you'll jump into application. Well, application is the final product that comes from a person who has mined and done the hard work of Bible study. So now that you know what the passage says, now that you know what the passage means, now you can make proper application of the passage. When you get that order out of line, when you put application first and then you try to look at what it says and what it means, you're going to find yourself misapplying scripture. And instead of living a text-driven life, you're actually going to live a life that is self-driven because your application is going to be driven by you and not by the passage. You've, you've got to study the word first and then move to application. Understand something about application. Uh, our author brings this out at the very beginning in a, in a very captivating illustration of a man who was uh, seen by all of his family as a poor man. Didn't have a very nice house, didn't have very nice clothes. He lived a modest living and he was very poor. And this man died and his family came into the home to clean it up, to get it ready to sell. And they look at the furniture and it's falling apart. They look at uh, the appliances that he has in his kitchen and they're old appliances. They look at the bed and it's it's not been, the mattress hasn't been replaced in years. The sheets have holes in it and it's a, it's a rickety old house. And then all of a sudden they open up one of the closets in the house and they find something that just baffles them. They find piles upon piles of cash. I mean, something that could have absolutely changed how this man lived is all stored up in a closet with dust on it. Something that is a treasure has been stowed away and not been enjoyed. And what our author does is he says most Christians find themselves in that exact same place. And I have to agree. One of the things I've observed uh, experientially in pastoral ministry is we have, as he says, at our fingertips, the treasures of heaven. We have recorded in scripture the good things, the great things, the treasures of God's word. But we have stored them away on a shelf. We have stored them away in a closet. We have stored them away and we are not taking advantage of the good things, the great things, the treasures that God has in his word. And the way that we will take advantage of that, the way that we will live by these wonderful heavenly treasures that God has for us is when we begin to apply the word of God in the proper manner that it needs to be applied. So as we think about application and we walk through these final two chapters of our book, I, I want you to understand that through proper application, you will be able to live in the treasure chest of the good of God's word. And as we begin to do that, what we first have to get out of the way and make sure we all understand is the authority of scripture. I I'm so thankful that our author starts there on page 98. Before he deals with application, before he deals with how to apply, he starts with the premise 
that God's word is meant to be applied because God has authority. I want you to think about that for a second. Who has authority? Well, parents have authority. Teachers have authority. Police officers have authority. Your boss has some authority. But who has ultimate authority? Who has the right to tell you what to do? Who has a right to tell your boss what to do? Who has a right to tell presidents, kings, queens what to do? There's only one person who has that type of authority, and that is God. According to Scripture, he says on page 98, last paragraph, according to Scripture, God himself possesses full authority over all things because primarily he created all things. You see, the statement of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is a statement that God has all authority. Uh, Jesus would make that uh, statement clear in the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. God possesses supreme authority. He is the one who has the right to tell us what to do. And the way we know what his expectation is, the way we know what his, the, the stretch of his authority is from the word. On page 100, the author says this, Therefore, when God speaks to you through his word, there is the expectation that you will respond to his authoritative voice. See, our response to the word is our application of the word. God didn't just speak in his word to be heard in a vacuum. No, he spoke so that we would know what to do, so that we could apply the word of God to our lives. And one of the things I learned even reading this book is the origin, the uh, uh, etymology of the word application. He says on page 100, and I didn't know this, but the word apply comes from the Latin word applicare which means to fasten to. And I love how he utilizes the definition, the Latin definition, to explain what biblical application is in that very next sentence. He says, this can refer to many things, but in the context of the practical use of the Bible, this is what he says. It, being application, has to do with fastening the truths of Scripture to our own lives. I just love the, the word picture that gives for us when we think about application. Application is attaching the Word of God to our lives so that when you see a person acting, you are seeing the living out of the truth of God's Word. What an incredible way to think about application. So he says, really, the question of application is how do I use 
the Word of God. One of the things that uh, we will immediately jump to when we think about application, and it's a warning, and our uh, Nate Pigowitz brings out this warning, it is the preferential treatment of Scripture. Now, preferential treatment means that we will use the verses that we prefer, and we will get out of Scripture what we prefer to get out of Scripture. We won't let Scripture speak for itself. We won't apply the Scripture in the context of what it means, but instead, we put our preference on it. And how that comes out, none of us ever use the word preferential treatment. But instead, what we will say is this, what does this verse mean to me? And our author on page 100 in the middle section, middle of the final paragraph on that page says this, this line of thinking places the reader in the position of authority, evaluating which truth should be practiced and which truths should not. So instead of approaching God's word with a preferential mindset, what does it mean to me? He advocates that what we need to be asking is more of a humble mindset, which would say, Lord, what do you want to teach me? See, once again, it's a submitting ourselves to the authority of God as he's revealed himself in his word, and we submitting to the truth of the authority of scripture. So he argues on page 101, application consists then of opening your soul so God's light can shine into every corner, exposing darkness and revealing the areas that need to be tended to. Ah, application doesn't seem too enjoyable anymore, does it? That's why we like preferential treatment. Because see, when we utilize preferential application, we will turn the light of Scripture only into the areas of our life that are already good. We'll read a verse and, oh, that encourages us. And we shine the light into that part of, we shine the light of Scripture into that part of our life that is already maturing. And we'll allow the dark recesses of our heart to never be touched by Scripture because we do not prefer to apply the word in that area. You say, what do you mean? Okay, let me give you an application. Are you ready? Scripture teaches in, uh, let's see, where do we want to go? Scripture teaches in Hebrews chapter 10, okay, dealing with the local church. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the habit of some, but all the more as you see the day approaching, encourage one another to, to good works, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, right? Now, here's, here's the question. If we were to shine that truth into our lives, likely we would shine it on the Sundays we actually show up to church. Look, I'm applying God's word. I'm not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. However, if a birthday were to fall on a Sunday, if a friend's party were to fall on a Sunday, if a sports game for your children was to happen on a Sunday, if a championship game were to happen on a Sunday, 
Here's the question. Would you shine the light of Hebrews 10 into that corner of your life? Or would you justify forsaking the assembling together? One answer demonstrates who has authority, being yourself. The other answer demonstrates if you're submitting to God's ultimate authority. So I am very thankful that at the start of this chapter, he deals with the concept of authority and gives us that application uh, principle of humility. And then on page 101 and following, he deals with how do we find the principle? Application comes from the passage. It comes from the text. It comes from the principle of Scripture. So how do we find that principle? Well, you really have to go back into what does the passage say and what does the passage mean to find the principle. And he uses a great illustration here of how we have read a passage of Scripture out of its context, and we've read a passage of Scripture um, not understanding what it means and what it says, and we've made a principle from it that is not correct. One passage is Jeremiah 29, 11. He gives a great analysis of how we misuse that passage on page 101 and through 103. I'd encourage you, read that carefully. But another passage that we use quite often in a similar way is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we just slap that verse on anything. People put it on their eye black when they play in a football game. They think about it when they're lifting weights. They think about it when they're running races. They think about it when they have a hard thing at their job. They think about it when parenting gets tough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the passage, all things, that, that phrase, all things, is couched in a context of contentment. See, what he's saying is not that you can do anything you want in the strength of God. No. He's saying that in the means of contentment, in the arena of contentment, you can actually, whether you have a lot or a little, be content in Christ. So what we have to do is we have to make sure that we are putting passages of Scripture in their context. i got to move quickly. Uh, we're coming about to the end of this episode. I don't want to keep you too long. But page 103, he says this, The Bible consists of 66 unique books, 1,189 chapters, more than 31,000 verses. How do we possibly apply all of it to our lives? It's helpful to understand that there are two different ways to apply Scripture to our lives. There are two types of outcomes that God desires for every believer. So as you read Scripture, there are two main ways that the Bible is meant to be applied. Are you ready for this? Love that he does this. He puts this really in, in great, just bite-sized chunks for us to think through. Um, if you're a member of Fellowship Church and you attend our church, it fits right in with what our mission statement is. But the first type of outcome that God has for application is this, for you to know him. So the immediate application that we can have from any passage is, how does this passage 
Help me know God. What does this passage teach me about God? And not only what does it teach about God, but it can teach about various other topics. For instance, what does it teach me about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, humanity and sin, salvation, the church, future things, other places of doctrine and theology? He goes through a whole list of those things. But the, the main idea is this. Application, one way you can apply the word is through knowledge, knowing God. The second way and outcome of application is what does the passage have us do? Now, I want you to think about this. If you're a member of Fellowship Church, think about this in the context of our mission statement. Know God. There we go. There's the first outcome, desired outcome. Make him known. That's the action outcome. That's the doing outcome. And he gives us some basic do actions that a passage can lead us to. One, repentance. Two, belief and faith. Three, spiritual growth. Four, love. So he gives us those four kind of funnels or a grid for us to think through application. Is it trying to, is this passage leading us to repentance? Is it leading us to love? Is it leading us to growth? Is it leading us to have more faith? What is this passage doing? And by what it, by what the passage is doing, then we also learn what to do as well. So now that you understand a little bit about application, what do you do next? Here, here's what you do. Chapter six, he tells you, number one, grab your Bible. Number two, decide what reading plan you're going to use. And then number three, pray. Grab your Bible, make a commitment to read your Bible. Number three, pray. Ask God for help. You ask God for help, you make a plan, you set aside time, you will begin to feast on the good, wonderful truths of the Word of God. And then you're going to be able to apply and live in the glorious heavenly treasures that He has for us from His Word. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Text Driven Podcast. For more information and resources just like this one, I encourage you to visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. And that's a great way for you to be able to learn more about how to live a text-driven life. Hey, until next time, I hope that you will commit to living a text-driven life, being in your Bible, and doing all for the glory of God. Thanks so much for listening. I'll look forward to talking with you next time.